Simon and Wayne's Spiffing Review with your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello! Hello! And welcome to another episode of Spiffing Review with me, Simon Jones and me, Wayne Bolt. This week, we'll be taking a look at the new Brit action movie... Well, is it an action movie or is it a monster movie? Or is it a comedy? Well, it's, uh, we'll get to that it, later, it, It's guess. an action monster comedy movie. Exactly. Attack the Block. Uh, the debut from Joe Cornish. But before we get to that, we are going to do our regular visit to the trailer park. The trailer park, indeed. Um, so once again, this is five trailers selected mostly at random from the Apple website. Although I'm thinking of moving over to the IMDB website for trailers. Because I find it's a lot easier to play... the blinking things and it is trying to get quick time to work half the time yep. yeah Apple does seem to be making their stuff yep. more and more unreliable yes so the ones we've gone for this week we will kick off with Beginners yes yeah, starring this you and appropriate Mac- yes <laughs> why well, indeed uh, starring Ewan McGregor Christopher Plummer and Melanie Laurent sorry who Melanie Laurent was she in Inglorious Bastards she might have been I'm not going to tell you okay yeah I think she was <laughs> right okay similar. and she sounds French Yes, well, she probably was then. Indeed. Um, I actually thought this was a really stylish trailer. Did you really? Mm. Huh. Yeah, I think it probably captured the film rather well. Mm. But uh, just to put it into context for yes. our listeners, um, as far as I can tell from the trailer, it's about Ewan McGregor gets a dog which can speak through the medium of subtitles. Yeah. Um, Ewan McGregor is a lonely chap whose widowed father, which is played by Christopher Plummer, um, comes out as gay. Uh, then the father and son fall in love, not with each other, um, but with... And rediscover uh, themselves. Yeah, and rediscover themselves. Uh, and it appears to be a rather dull following of their, re- of their respective stories. Yeah, although although the setup is very similar to the films we generally moan about in the trailer park for being extremely generic, um, I actually think the trailer approached it in a really interesting way. Right. Because, well, mainly because it didn't do the big swelling music and be really emotional and heartfelt and try and force you to be have some kind of emotional response in yeah. a two minute trailer instead it went for this kind of quirky strange little comedy bits here and there yeah I, I to admit I, I I didn't really know if I clicked on the right link to watch the trailer or not hmm hmm um, but yeah because it didn't seem like a trailer no it, it, it was like a little short film almost um, but I quite liked it um, I don't know if I'd like the film itself, but I thought the trailer did a really stylish job of right, presenting okay. itself. Oh, good. Well, that's a bit of a difference of opinion for a change then yes. for us. Um, so, yeah, Gertie's for that one. Uh, I should give it a smiley face. Oh, I gave it a sad face. Oh, yeah, interesting. I just didn't like the trailer. I just didn't... Not interested in the film at all. Hmm. Maybe we should review it then. Maybe we ought to. <laughs> yeah. So, following up with something slightly different, which is Straw Dogs. Yes, this is um, a film directed by Rod Lurie, um, starring James Marsden, Kate Bosworth and James Woods. Yes, and presumably a remake of the original Straw Dogs, which I've not seen. I've not seen it either. Which is apparently a classic. So I will... Yeah. Well, I don't think this is going to have any chance of taking over the classic Probably not, title. but it did look better than I thought it would. In that I thought it would be absolutely atrocious. But again, the trailer was quite interesting. Because rather than doing the generic horrible things happen in a house, let's do some yeah. torture porn type stuff, it kind of starts off really horrific and then does this little rewind trick to almost a completely different film before the horror sets in. Um, and I actually thought that was a really interesting way to do it rather than just the generic kind of trailer stuff. So a bit like with the beginner's trailer, while the film itself looks kind of generic and fitting within all the formula you expect from yeah. that sort of film, the trailer itself did something slightly different, which 
I kind of expected it from oh, I guess. And it obviously sold it for you, because once again, I find this trailer rather dull, um, and I didn't think it sold the movie that well. So mm. um, I'm going to guess, for the Gerties here, you're going to go with a smiley face? Smiley face, yeah, but it's also because James Marsden's really cool and should be in more films. All right, okay, I'm giving it a sad face again. Yeah. Not a good trailer park for me this week. Right, interesting. Not that that gives away anything about the rest of the <laughs> stuff we've seen. Right, next. <laughs> 35 and ticking. I think we'll probably be in agreement on this one. <laughs> Um, this is directed by Russ Parr. It's about four friends who are all heading towards 35, um, and it shows how they live out their lives and their loves and everything like that on the big screen in yet another 30-something American yawn fest. Yes, you, you could pretty much take the title from this and apply it to any of the other movies of this sort that we've reviewed yeah. in the last few weeks, and you wouldn't have any idea which one was which. Um, this is kind of makes what makes it different from the other two trailers, because Beginners and Straw Dogs both tried to do interesting stuff with their trailers. This just ticks every single, single box. standard box. Yes. So regardless of whether the film looks interesting or not, the trailer's just boring in itself. Yeah. Really stereotypical characters that seem to have come out of that kind of stock characters. Yeah. Box and, and... It's just not interesting. As someone who's approaching 35 but in reverse on the other side, it's just nothing resembling what it was like when I actually was approaching 35. Mm. It just seems to be rather, rather dull. Yes, it was also very much uh, really bad editing. The music was all mashed up together quite horribly, and yeah, it's just nothing new in it. At no, all. even if you're a fan of that kind of movie, which I'd have to be mad to be. Well, yeah, uh, but there's nothing in this that you know. Why would you bother going seeing it? You just watch your DVDs <laughs> you got at home. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Or, so, yeah. or just watch any tosh on the Living Channel. Indeed. Or if you're around 35, just live your life. <laughs> yeah. So don't go and face. see this film. Sad face. Live your life. Yeah. Sad face for me as well. Yeah, not right. good. Next, uh, a film called Ironclad. Yes. With the subtitle, Heavy Metal Goes Medieval. Yeah. Now, I was quite looking forward to this. This seemed to be a setup for rather a good film. Uh, it's a Jonathan English film uh, starring James Purefoy, Paul Giamatti, Kate Mara, Brian Cox and Derek Jacobi. Good cast. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Ooh, that's something here going off. Uh, it's described as a Magnificent Seven in medieval times. Or yeah. a medieval Magnificent Seven. But wasn't it actually described as Magnificent Seven meets Braveheart meets Lord of the Rings meets Solomon Kane meets... Uh, I don't know if it was described as that, but that certainly is what the film looks like. Yes, indeed. But no, there are definitely three films referenced in the little description of the film. And I always think if a film has to describe itself by referencing better films, yeah. that's a bad start. Um, and yeah, this kind of did what you expected. Really. Yeah, well, it, it started out so promising with the title. And also, with the heavy metal goes medieval, you think, yeah, this could actually be quite good. Yeah, Paul Giamatti um, is yeah, always worth watching. Yeah, no, it's, it's a classic cast in there. Um, and it's not really um, that epic uh, in, in scope. No, Even though there's lots of swords and siege equipment. Um, to me, it looked like um, a big screen version of the ITV series, Robin of Sherwood. It had that sort of uh, vibe about it. But only about the good bits. Yeah, I think... It did sort of maybe betray a low-budget origin. I don't know if it is, but it felt like it had this grand ambition but couldn't quite realise what it wanted to do. Yeah. Um, which is something that affects quite a lot of fantasy movies and historical movies because if you don't have the budget, it's going to be really hard yeah. to put So it what, off. what was this one? Was it... You can't watch so. It's hard to put it off. Right. Um, so what do you think this one was? Was it a fantasy or, or, or not this one? Well, I, I couldn't really tell. Yeah, I presume it's historical, but it didn't really, in the trailer at least, specify what, what it was or no. which king it was no, that was medieval. trying to get this castle. And also, going back to Medieval Magnificent Seven, there are more than seven people there. Yes. 
Not just as in they're enormous and people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, all that ranting aside, you know, originally I gave this an ambivalent face, but I think I've talked myself into being rather annoyed of it. And I'm going to give it a sad face again. <laughs> I'm going to give it an ambivalent face just because I like the cast and it's probably be entertaining just because of them. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, never know. Maybe the trailer's just rubbish, but the film's going to be good. Could be. I mean, the fact that it was described as three different films makes you get the feeling that the marketing people don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> no. So they're trying to make it something that's probably not. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so finally, in the trailer park, we have a film called Good Neighbours. Um, this yeah. is uh, ironic title. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, this is where a film in which neighbours get to know each other and they discover a fascination uh, which they share for talking about crime, but. Is everything as it first appears in this tense trailer? Probably not. Who cares? People die. Yeah. The setup was interesting, I suppose, but I'm pretty sure the trailer gives away the biggest twist in the film. In that there appears to be a guy who you think is in a wheelchair. Yes. And in the trailer, about halfway through, he gets out of the wheelchair. And that does hmm. seem to be a rather large plot point. So, unless that's actually something that happens in the first 10 minutes. In which case, it's alright. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's something that happens two thirds of the way through, and you yeah. must be completely flabbergasted by it that's really annoying um, it doesn't really matter too much because it didn't look that interesting anyway no. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not particularly upset but if I was if I was one of the filmmakers I would yeah. be upset yeah um, so how much input do you think the filmmakers actually have in the trailers at what point does it get signed over I think it varies some I think it varies some directors get really involved with what's going on mm-hmm. um, I think maybe Edgar Wright does a lot of stuff right. because his trailers always seem really in the style of his films um but most directors don't. They don't get involved with it in the slightest. It's just the marketing people that do it. It's the same with like the posters and yeah. taglines and that kind of stuff. So it's up to the director, you think, as to how much control they have over it? Potentially, yeah. I mean, it could be that some directors just aren't interested because they make a movie and yeah. how it's publicised is of no consequence. Yeah, to them it's just a job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe some of them just don't have the power mm. to... Okay. That kind of thing. Anyway, sorry, we're digressing, but that was my fault. Um, so, Good Neighbours. Um, I gave out an ambivalent face because... Even though I'm not a big fan of it, I thought it was probably the best trailer. Really? So, yeah. yeah. I thought it was the worst trailer by far because <laughs> Mr. Voiceover Man was back doing his inner city, which was just really tedious. Right. And everything about it ticked all the formula, horror, creepy, tense boxes in terms of trailers. Yeah. Whereas the other trailers, certainly Beginners and Straw Dogs, regardless of the film, I thought the trailers tried to do something interesting. Right. Whereas yeah, Good Neighbours didn't try to do anything interesting. No. So, sad face for me. Right, okay. Um, so, it's yeah. a bit of a poor bunch, but... Surprisingly controversial. Uh, well, for a change. Yeah. For a change, indeed. So, um, of the five, then, Simon, which of those would you um, would you recommend as your, uh, shall we say, trailer of the week? That's quite a tricky question mm. this week. Um, probably a toss-up between beginners, because I thought the trailer was really good, and Ironclad, because the cast is good, so it could probably get you through any other problems the film has. Yeah, uh, I think even though it's a bad trailer, I didn't enjoy it. There's more hope in Ironclad than any of the others. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but so not an Ironclad hope. Not. A... <laughs> 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 so yeah, so that's a that's a controversial um, trailer park for a change where we don't actually like most of the trailers in it, and we don't see eye to eye. So all you naysayers, they would just say we pick our favourite ones to do. Yeah. Then absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. So, moving on to the movie Movie watch. watch. Right, well, I've got written down first of all something which should have been in the trailer park. Oh, right. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Ah, yes. Yeah, so I saw this one on the IMDb website when I was uh, looking at that for uh, some trailers, actually. Um, it's pretty damn good looking. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah. But you don't really need to explain much about it. And the fact that I think it really needs a trailer because there are cowboys and aliens. Yeah, so Tyson does a lot of yeah. work for this film. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you've got Harrison Ford in it and Daniel Craig. Um, there's abductions, cowboys, spaceships, explosions, I think a biplane as well. Excellent. Um, Yes. Yeah. Well, you don't get to see them much in the trailer. Yeah, good. But I think you, you see the ships, I think, but not really what they look like. So they haven't done the, the, the wheelchair man getting out of the wheelchair in no. the trailer. That's no. Good. However, what I am waiting for, though, is the Red Dead Redemption uh, downloadable content based on this. I think that should be quite good. So that's, uh, that's that. Are they actually doing that? Well, they ought to. Yeah. One thing that's really interesting, actually, with Portal 2, there was a kind of interactive trailer for Super 8, which is J.J. Abrams' new movie. Right. And in the trailer for that movie, you see a giant train crash that the kids are filming, and it's quite a cool trailer. In this little segment that came with Portal 2, which is a bit of, I don't know what the connection is <laughs> with the game and the film, uh, none at all, I don't think, but you, <laughs> you start off on that train from the trailer. Oh, right. And as you play through it, the, the train crashes, you stumble around the wreckage, and all sorts of interesting interactive things happen. It's only about five minutes long, but I've never seen a movie promoted that way before. So maybe in the future, the trailer park will have to expand into other mediums. Yeah, well, so not just trailers a la on the website, but exactly. featuring another medium. Yeah, yeah, it could be like... I mean, you're getting a lot of stuff like that with all these weird ARG things. We have to yeah. hunt around town and dissect websites and stuff. So yeah, mm. they get more interesting with their advertising. Yeah, so uh, I, I thought I'd better mention it now, but um, so we saw Transformers 3 being trailed for the first time. Yeah. Juve released later this year. Um, it looks particularly uninspiring, again, for a Michael Bay film. Um, but I suspect we're going to see it probably to review it so we can slag Michael Bay off even though he's not really an indie film producer yeah we could maybe do a, a special episode on like the exact opposite of interesting indie movies mm. yeah it's called um, what is it the subtitle is Dark of the Moon isn't it yeah so no. I missed out a word there yeah yeah see I'd be really impressed if the film was actually about the Transformers failed attempt at doing a Pink Floyd tribute band yeah could be but I doubt it. Yeah, it'd be good though, wouldn't it? It would be, it'd be really you'd be a surprise if they get them under wraps. Yes. That'd be excellent. All right, any more movie watch? Um, well, I've not really had that much movie stuff going on for the last couple of weeks. The main no. thing I've been distracted by is the TV series Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Which is continuing the trend of TV doing movies slightly better than movies, because we haven't really had much good fantasy since Lord of the Rings, really, and the kind of big, slow, yeah. epic stuff. Uh, and then HBO comes along with Game of Thrones and does it on TV. And in a kind of expansive manner that you can't fit into a two or three hour movie. So that's kind of interesting, yeah. seeing a lot of genres kind of shifting over to TV. Yeah, uh, I've not had a chance to uh, watch it yet because I don't have Sky. And mm. we at uh, Spiff Movie don't condone illegal downloading. Absolutely not. So uh, I'm having to wait for it to come out uh, on some medium I can watch it legally. Yes, that's very good of you. Yeah. Yes, and, uh, oh, before we start, have we got any super injunctions to worry about today? Uh, well, if we did, I can't tell you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, shall we review Attack the Block? Attack the Block, yes. Um, well, you may be wondering, uh, listeners, why we've gone back to a film recently released in the cinema um, when we did say we're going to look at some of the uh, not-so-big cinematic releases and try and look more indie films and, and non-mainstream stuff. Um but we've not really had a chance to watch much, in honesty, over the past couple of weeks. And given the fact that this is Joe Cornish's uh, directorial debut... Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a small Brit film that yeah. some of you might not have heard of. Yeah, we're, we're going to just about classify it in our, um, yes. uh, in, in, in our new remit. So the main justification, really, is that we just fancied it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so we thought we'd, uh, we'd, we'd, we'd review it. Anyway, 
So, um, I'll just kick off to let you know a little bit about what's going on. Uh, Attack the Block is an alien invasion movie uh, set not in the usual destination of New York or LA or Paris or anywhere with a huge, great um, army. Uh, army, yeah. Uh, it's set. Or Sheila <laughs> No, it's definitely no Shirley sure Booth, no. It's set on a, on a South London council estate, a tower block kind of estate. Um, the film follows a gang uh, led by Moses, uh, whose uh, fellow gangmates are Pest, Dennis, Jerome and Biggs, um, plus many others. Um, we first meet the gang when they're mugging uh, Sam, who's a recently graduated nurse, and um, then we find out what happens when, just shortly after the mugging, an alien falls to Earth and the gang decide to beat it up. And, yes. in fact, beat it to a pulp. Yeah, to be fair, it did attack them first. So, you know, it should come a bit slack. Well, it will end. Yeah. So, well, it was self-defence, but they did it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And this then causes all kinds of consequences that come back to bite them in the arse, essentially. Yeah, and <laughs> almost literally sometimes. Yes, yes, and the tower block becomes a slightly unsafe, well, even more unsafe than it normally is. Yeah. So, yeah, an unusual setting, but with kind of all the standard elements you expect in a sci-fi monster movie, but kind of lifted out of its normal thing and put in this new place yes. with new characters. And also it's the elements taken from... Not a modern sci-fi movie, but it's very much going back to the 1980s kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, this is, Joe Cornish has said this in a few interviews with some of our film review colleagues, um, where he's been heavily inspired by John Carpenter and has tried to get that whole creature feature kind of movie back in with the alien invasion um, uh, aspect to it. And uh, I think it's done really well. Yeah, I mean, the setting is very much like some of Cronenberg's early stuff, where he basically sets it in, like, a tiny tower block yeah. or apartment block or something, which presumably is really good for your budget, <laughs> because you don't have to go off and do loads of massive set pieces. You can set it in one place yes. and then just really use it to its maximum potential. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it works really well. I was actually expecting a comedy going in, because the trailer kind of pitched it more down the Shaun of the Dead route. Yeah, and I think you would expect that, because Joe Cornish, uh, he's... Most well known for being part of the Adam and Joe uh, partnership, who started on Channel Four making small little movies, um, very much along the lines of Robot Chicken. If you're a fan of that, but they did this about ten years before Robot Chicken came along. Um, they've got a radio show, um, which is a popular, and they've got a very popular podcast, which has sprung off of that. So Joe Cornish is very much ingrained in a comedy kind of background. Plus, you've then got Edgar Wright in it, who's known for his. Um, comedy films as well Nick um, Frost is actually in the film yeah so you're expecting that kind of Shaun of the Dead touch where it's mostly a comedy with a bit of horror yeah whereas actually it felt more like a kind of action horror with a bit of comedy yeah um, which really surprised me but in a good way <laughs> yes yeah that's, that's all really good um, the the young cast all day good I believe they're it's a debut film for them all yeah I imagine most of them will be going quite a long way well let's hope so they did quite a good job actually if this is their first job uh, of acting in a feature, certainly, then uh, very good in them. Yeah, it was a lot of first week. I mean, Joe Cornish hasn't directed anything like this before. No. He's not done a feature film before, let alone something on this kind of level. Yeah. Because a lot of directors seem to take a while to get the hang of action yeah. and horror, and he just jumps straight yeah. in. And exactly well, I think it's been doing. very inspired, as we were saying, by some of the, the 80s kind of filming, and some of the, the shots you're taking with the views of the yeah. tower block being very much set up in a monolithic kind of... Uh, uh, almost spaceship-like quality in, in, in some stages. And, yeah, it's uh, like nothing else in London matters. It's just this giant gargantuan tower block, which, like you say, is like a spaceship. And it's, yeah. all, it's almost filmed a little bit like the Nostromo from Alien, 
it felt like that kind of just yeah. this giant thing drifting yeah. <laughs> through the film. But, but it sounds here like we're just saying that he copied all of his stuff from elsewhere. But uh, it's not so much he copied it. It's very much inspired by it and it's made it for a new generation. Yeah. It kind of takes all those ingredients and then puts them together in really fresh ways. Yes. I think. Because, um, yeah, it does feel, you know, it's like alien, cross with aliens in a tower block. But that's to not do it full service, really, because it does so much more with that. Yeah. And I think because the characters are so different to anything we've seen before in this kind of movie yeah. it just brings the whole thing to life really nicely yeah. um, it's not going to be too much of a spoiler to say there are aliens in it and the fact no. that I've already said there's one at the beginning um, but that happens in the first few minutes anyway there's a couple more yeah um, what did you think of the aliens? I, I was really impressed because certainly when you're talking low budget well yeah, relatively low budget kind of monster movies the problem can be the monster because they just can't pull it off in the same way that like Michael Bay can do a Transformer really well in a crappy movie. You might have a really good movie, but with a bad monster. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, they did it really amazingly well. Yes. Uh, it was quite clever in that part of the design of the monster is that it's really, really black and you can hardly see it. Yeah. So that kind of helps. But it was kind of I don't know. It, I thought it was the best use of like less is more. Yeah. Since the original Alien, in a way, because the whole original Alien, you hardly see anything for most yeah. of the film. And that's what makes it so scary and effective. And they just they do that really well. Here. Yeah, and I think nowadays you're so used to seeing uh, details on sort of like transformers or other creatures, and so so fine a detail that it's nice to go back to not really seeing much as to what's going yeah. on and just so having it's just a, your imagination. Yeah, yeah, just having a glimpse of something and um, and taking it from there. And as I said, let your imagination go a bit, bit more because it's always a bit scarier. Yeah, and um, because I think since the '90s, really, when CG came in, I mean, I love CG, but. It's so overused, particularly for monsters. I think we did a trailer park last time, uh, yeah. the Paul Bettany film, which is just full of these CG vampires. And as good as the CG is, it's just not particularly involving. Yeah. Whereas Attack the Block, unless it has the best CG I've ever seen, it certainly seemed to be proper monster suits. And, and people in them. People in them and clever, whatever you call it, puppety Animatronic. That's the one. Um it's, really normal, well. it's normally me who gets the words. I know. I know. Oh, a bit more weight today. Term, like yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it uses lots of old school techniques and yeah, it works so well because everything feels properly grounded. And I think because it's set in this tower block, which is such a kind of mundane, ordinary setting, yeah. CG stuff would stand out even more. Yeah. You know, like CG in a big fantasy setting, you can get away with a bit. Uh, in this, it would just stand out so badly because everything else in it is so kind of down to earth. Yeah. Um, one of the trickier points of the film to get into I think especially if uh, if you're a bit older um, and when I say a bit older I mean anything over 25 is the use of the language that the kids were mm. using yeah. uh, which is very much like street talk in yeah. it it's, just not, like that. it's not something you see, yeah that's a good demonstration there Wayne thanks um, yeah it's not something you see in movies generally um, and I think what was really nice is that when you do see that these kind of characters portrayed in a movie it's usually as the bad guys or yeah. random background people or that kind of thing yeah. so to see them actually as the main characters yeah. and I'm, I'm glad you didn't say good guys there but rather main characters yes exactly because they're still you know very flawed and all sorts of problems yeah. and a lot of them aren't particularly nice at all but you kind of get to see why they're in that situation yeah. and they're put forward as real people yeah interestingly uh, once again in an interview Joe Cornish did say that um, he doesn't really mind too much about people not really getting the language to start with because if you look at the idiom of like Star Trek and they talk about dilithium crystals and warp drives and inertial dampers that's all nonsense to a lot of people as yeah, well it's all about the context yes right? yeah so uh, it takes a, uh, about 20 minutes or so getting used to how to speak and it doesn't really um, it, I mean, it doesn't detract anymore but I think that's just probably coming from a uh, a not street gang culture background. Yeah, we're not particularly street, are we? No, we're not really. really no, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think anyone that has graduated from The Wire probably won't have any problems right. watching this and understanding it. Even though it's a completely different side of the Atlantic and different dialects, it's, uh, it's a similar kind of twang to it. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think, I presume these kids were cast from the, the same general area that it's set in. Yeah, I'd have thought so. And, yeah, it works. Works brilliantly. Yeah. Either, or they are really, really good actors. They're all probably from yeah, something like Eton or something, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yes, um, go in expecting all sorts of things, really. Yeah. Monsters, action, horror. And it is actually quite gore. scary in places. Gore, some good yeah. gore. Yeah, I was quite surprised, actually, at the, yeah. uh, some of the uh, level of gore. It's not vomit-inducingly squeamish, but it certainly is shocking. Yes, yeah. and again, it's a lot of it is kind of off-camera or slightly subtle, yes. so that you get the sense or of it being nasty. imagination. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, um, the, the film I kind of... Well, the recent film I compared it to the most, I suppose, is Predators. And oh, yeah. While I enjoyed Predators, this really shows it up for kind of missing the point slightly, yeah. because this gets the sense of the original Predator a lot more than any of the Predator yeah. sequels, I think. I think one thing surprising about this film, and this is probably says more about uh, the way I view films, is um, I, I actually, as I was saying, I didn't really think the, the characters were the good guys, but I certainly got more of an impression as to why these characters end up in the situation they're in. And the film does a very good job of showing why this gang culture uh, is so prevalent in these council estate blocks. Uh, in, in the cities and normally I don't really give a, a, a rat's tail about that yeah, yeah but well, uh, this well, time it was much more sort of uh, involving uh, to see why they got to the position they were in mm-hmm. uh, and what led them you know what choices had been thrust upon them yes um, to, through no fault of their own yeah. nothing they could really do about it yeah um, but what, what's clever is that it does it in a very subtle background yeah. way you know this isn't a, a film about social class or anything, no but inevitably because of the setting it doesn't ignore that it makes it part of the, the yeah, story yeah yeah, yeah and it's not ramming it down your throat and I, I found that because of that uh, the way of shooting it and showing that sort of thing I actually took it more on board as opposed to just sort of thinking oh I'm being lectured at about um, you know oh why it was also awful for these yeah, kids it's yeah. the fact that it was shown in, in constant not rammed down your throat that actually I took it on board more yeah. one thing that's really nice and clever about it is that when the film opens and you're following this this female nurse around town, and you see this gang approach her. Any other film, that would be generic gang that attacks her, and then they're not in it again for the rest yeah. of the film, and that starts off whatever her story is. Yeah. You know, and it's very deliberate the way they kind of start it off like that. Yes. And then, of course, it all flips around completely, and you realise yeah. that we're going to be with the gang rather than her. So, uh, yeah, yeah, really clever, and yeah, that's what made it so feel so fresh. You know, all these ingredients we've seen before, but in a completely new way. Yeah. So... Very much recommended. It's oh, indeed. If you if you haven't seen it yet, then uh, do so. And I'd say probably try and see this one at the cinema. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly, because, you know, some low-budget type stuff sometimes doesn't need to be, but it's really visual, and this massive tower block, which just feels yeah, incredibly Yeah, it just works really well um, yeah. when you see it on, on yeah. the big screen. I've no idea when this is coming to the US or elsewhere, because it's only in the UK at the moment, I think. I think it's probably being released around now. Really? Yeah, because uh, Joe wasn't on the... Show on Saturday because he was in America doing some promotional work. For okay, it. well, fingers crossed it will find an audience yeah. there. Hopefully, Edgar Wright being sort of involved and Nick Frost being in there will hopefully yeah. push it out a bit. So, yeah, do hunt it down wherever you may find it. So, yeah, overall, very good. Yes, and uh, a good directorial debut from Joe Cornish. I just hope he's not set the bar too high uh, so that when he does his next one, uh, if he does his next one, that um, it falls a bit foul. But uh, brilliant! It's uh, almost as good a directorial debut as Moon. 
Yeah, with Duncan Jones. Yeah, there's a lot of really good sci-fi fantasy type bit directors coming yeah. out at the moment. So. And uh, you know, if this is a start of a of a new golden age of uh, low-ish budget British sci-fi, uh, then hooray! Yes, it's, it's been interesting seeing all these comedy people from TV in the UK slowly shifting over into movies and actually yeah. doing it a lot better than a lot of people in the movie world. Yeah, yes indeed. So congratulations to them. Hurrah! Right, um, so that's it for this week. Not, not too much, um, but I bet we still rambled on for too long again. Probably. Um, so all it really leaves us is, uh, is just to say uh, tune in next time uh, where we'll probably be uh, taking a look at some of the not quite so good movies which are available uh, mostly on the Sci-Fi channel. Yes, which will be probably us talking about how you can do low-budget indie movies really badly. Yes. So, yes, that's something to look forward to. And they might not even be indie movies. They're backed by quite big studios. Yeah, so they've got no excuse. <laughs> no excuse at all. Anyway, so until then, it's goodbye. Goodbye. If you'd like to contact us, you can email Simon and Wayne at spiffingreview.com. Follow us on Twitter at Spiffing Review or visit our website at spifferingreview.com. Spiffing Review is an It's a Trap production.